I'm over here shooting rainbows at my butt just to, yeah. <laughs> just to keep it just to keep a smile on my face, you know. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who graduated top of his class from Bishop Sycamore High School, my brother Mike. And it only took me six years. So <laughs> at Bishop Sycamore, that's kind of the normal track. And I was top of the class. So I'm sure. Well, what classes do they offer there at Bishop Sycamore High School, Mike? Uh, What'd you struggle? All with? you can think of uh, pickleball. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. offer, you know, mathematics for the 12 fingered you know, Luddite, <laughs> you know, all the classics, all the classics, you know, how, of course, advanced how, pickleball, how to play, <laughs> how, how to play advanced pickleball. You got to have that, how to play a game of football deep into your thirties against <laughs> high schoolers, <laughs> obviously. Oh. Um, so yeah. And let's not forget woodshop class. <laughs> That's right. And so That's six years of my life, That's six years of your life. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think it's like the one year, roughly the one year anniversary of that whole debacle. That's what was on my mind. And it came up to me and bring it up. So yes, you proud graduate, proud, brad, you're a proud sycamore. I don't know what the mascot is. Did they even have one? I don't even know, but you're a proud sycamore. No clue. On this week's episode, we'll discuss another inconsistently average week from the Royals, reflect on a little bit of a 2022 season, sort of like start our reflection as we move into the, the offseason here before too long, and preview this week's games. But first, a reminder to subscribe, rate, and review us. We love the reviews. We love reading them. We just don't get enough of them. Go out there and write some reviews on Apple Podcasts. Leave us comments on YouTube. Do whatever you got to do to let us hear from you because we want to read your words on the air. We want to put you out there to the to all of our listeners, to all the weekly weirdos. We want to start this community by having you interact with each other. And so go ahead and write us a review, subscribe, like our stuff. It helps us out a ton. We really appreciate it. Also, we want to get to a question that we forgot last week. Last week, you might remember we did a listener mailbag. The, we- the weekly weirdos took over and ran the show for a week, which is always a dangerous proposition with the group that follows. Just us. some phenomenal questions, questions Great that questions. really, really fit into our window. There, you know, like what I what I kind of love is that like we've cultivated a fan base that is just as like on the edge as us, you know, like, yeah, exactly. just as deranged as we are. And I like that. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, we had a great slot of, or a great group of questions, but I actually forgot a question. I was really excited to answer. It, it was somebody responded real early in the week to the mailbag call and I accidentally left their, um, their question out. So I want to get to his, this is a follower called Michael on Twitter. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for the question. He says, my take is the Royals have already chosen a great new pitching coach and or development coordinator but it's people from another org who don't want to move around mid season. My question is whether I'm optimistic about the Royals because I'm masochistic or just dumb. Mike, your thoughts on uh, again, masochistic dumb. What's going on? Just a, just a, a great example of a weekly weirdo here with the question. Um, this sounds like a conspiracy theory that I could buy into. And last week, that was one of the questions is what Royals conspiracy theories do you want to put out there? This might be one of them. I, I could see an organization doing something like this. Maybe not. I have a guy picked out, but maybe I have a, a an idea of the guy I would like to approach. First, let me start by saying I don't think they're going to change development coordinators because what is it? Paul Gibson. Is that his name? I might be screwed yeah. up his name. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's Paul Gibson. He, he's only been doing that that exact position anyway for a year. And so I don't think they're going to get rid of him. I could see them getting rid of, uh, uh, Eldred. Thank you. 
Cal Eldred. Um, and, and in that case, I could see an idea where they have kind of an idea of one or two guys that they would like to approach for that. I just don't know that they're the kind of organization that's going to go approach them, even approach them midseason. I, I don't know that they would if they're in the employee of other clubs, you know, if they're not or if they're or if they're more like a consulting position. A lot of times I think those are kind of understood that those guys may be reached out to. But I don't think the Royals are the kind of organization that are going to really go poach somebody who has a job already and say, hey, wink, wink, at the end of the year, this guy's gone. You want to come in? I don't think that's going to happen. It would be great if they did. <laughs> it would be great but if I they went out and said, wink, that. wink, you want to take over for him right now? Like, that's, yeah. that's what they should be doing. Like, so when you say, like, they're not the kind of organization that'll do this type of thing, what you're essentially saying is they're not the type of organization that wants to win. Right? Like, yeah. And so that that's what drives me nuts about it. But yeah, I... I think they want to win. I just think that like they have no real understanding of how to do it today. You know, like they, th- they think yeah, the way you exactly. did it 20 years um, ago is going to work the same way. It just won't. It won't. And so I, I think I doubt that they have a, a person chosen like a, a single person that they want to go offer the job to. But if they're smart, I think they have a list of people. They have like a list of targets already. Uh, if they're, if they're smart, they would do that and they would get out really, really early on this pitching coach. But if they were smart, they would have done it, you know, last offseason when it was very clear that Cal Eldred wasn't the man for the job, you know. And so or or at the very least, you you fire him mid year so that it's known there's an opening here. Like or like, yeah, you could have fired him, gave someone the job as an interim job, and then it's known that there's an opening or you could have fired him and started going out trying to hire the third or fourth best or the third or fourth guy in the chain of pitching development for the best pitching organizations in the baseball, you could have done that. I know it's unorthodox, and I know people are like, oh, we got to wait until the offseason. You don't have to wait till the offseason. There's no rule that says that you must. And so why are you doing it? Like, if you do it midseason, you're competing against no one. And so why not do that? This offseason, they're going to be competing against five, six, seven other teams that are probably looking for pitching coaches. And so, you know, it is what it is, I guess. I would have gone out and been more aggressive about it. I think the fact that their lack of aggressiveness when it comes to turnover for coaching and all that sort of thing is a big flaw in their in their organization. But, you know, I, I think I hope that they have at least, at the bare minimum, I hope they have a list of targets of people they want to go get. I hope it's not like, this is, uh, you know, old, old Creaky R. McGee. He's been in the game for 150 years. <laughs> he used to, he was a minor league pitcher and a major league pitcher. Very impressive. No, thank you. I'll take somebody who actually knows what they're doing and has a proven track record of success. Or we could get like Cal Edward 2.0. This guy was a color commentator for college baseball. Nothing says oh, qualified to be a pitching but coach. But he is like. a hell of a duck hunter. Have you ever hunted, <laughs> have you ever hunted quail with him? That's what's you know most important. Um, anyway, we, we digress. We're, we're going to move on. Thank you so much, Michael, for that excellent question. Sorry we didn't get to it last week at the mailbag, but hopefully it provides some insight into our mindset. <laughs> and now you get to be the only guy that had a question this week. So yeah, awesome. yeah, that's pretty impressive, right? We'll jump into last week's baseball at this point. We always start with roster news, and so we'll give you what little roster news there was. The only two, there are two bits of good news, I would say, like a couple cool rehab assignments. Vinny Pasquantino, he's out on a rehab assignment, I think starting today or yesterday. And then Edward Olivares, a few days ago, was sent out on a rehab assignment as well. So Royals could get two guys, two hitters back, who really have done a great job hitting this year when they're healthy. Vinny Pasquantino was driving the bus for the offense before he got hurt. Edward Olivares has done nothing but hit uh, while he's played this year, just been pretty injury prone. So hopefully those guys can get back and maybe get a couple weeks of the season in before they have to shut it down again 
and go off and uh, maybe play winter ball for Olivares. I doubt Pascantino would, but uh, we'll see, uh, you know, moving forward. Uh, Nate Eaton was also brought back up and had his first four hit game. Once the uh, rosters expanded to 28, he was one of the two people brought up. Mass Castillo was also brought up today as the Royals are trying to fill holes in their rotation that are due to pitcher injuries and things like that. So he was brought up and made a start today. His second start, I think with the Royals pitched pretty well, four and two thirds innings, gave up two runs. Uh, looked like he was pulled pretty quick, mostly because of pitch count issues as they sort of try and build him up to starter level pitching uh, in terms of pitch count. And so, yeah, he looked pretty good today. I was very excited about his start. Uh, there were some other pitching related transactions, but they were all sort of, um, Nothing major, you know, bullpen guys, Wyatt Mills coming up and down, you know, uh, Snyder came back up, uh, Megden came up to make a spot start and then went back down. You know, it was no big deal when it came to like uh, a lot of the pitchers getting rotated in and out at this point. As I said in the opening, it was an inconsistent week, but all that inconsistency once again added up to 500. They were three and three again this week. That brings their overall record to 55 and 80. They couldn't hang with the White Sox early in the week. They lost two of three to them. But then they went ahead and took two or three from a terrible Detroit team. Mike, how bad is that Detroit team? The Detroit team is so bad, they're about to give up on the Torkelson kid. <laughs> and hmm. and they're giving away their best pitchers, and they're doing just stupid stuff. So they're they're in a bad, bad way. Uh, the kid out in center, who, who looks like a good player, hasn't really lived up to what they had hoped he could be yet. Um, what's the brightest spot on that Detroit team right now? That is a toughie. That is a hard uh, one to answer. Well, I think the brightest spot is probably that their farm system still has talent in it. They they didn't like, just because they graduated Torkelson and Green and stuff like that, they haven't emptied their farm system or anything like that. They just had a lot of guys not pan out the way that they hoped. So Akil Badu has been terrible all year, and they thought he would be a much better offensively. Miguel Cabrera and their fealty to him has just been really mis- misplaced and misguided. Torkelson didn't uh, take off. Javi Baez. Javi Baez was just, that contract looks like a nightmare right now. And so, yeah, it's just been a lot of stuff. And then, of course, oh, Baez got hurt. I think he's coming back. Are they going to pitch him this year, though? I thought they were putting him out at, for rehab stuff. So I thought they might bring him back why? for the end of this year. Why would I don't you, know why, why would you would do that. I don't know why you sense. would, but... <laughs> But, but you never know. All right. Do, do what you got to do. Um, in, in this 500 week, I thought it was pretty decent considering their rotation is a little bit shot right now. They're kind of rolling out three guys and then trying to fill the other two slots every time they come up. I think Castillo will take one of those spots, but we'll see moving forward. Um, there were some strong performances this week, especially among the hitters. Mike, tell us about a young hitter who looks like he's bouncing back from some early struggles. Nick Prado had himself a pretty good week. He still struck out too much, but that's just what Nick Prado does. Seven for 25, one double, three home runs, only four RBI in those three home runs because they're running down base for him. But he did walk twice and did have 11 strikeouts. He really had a couple of really good games in the Detroit series, and that kind of lifted him. But he's looked like a better hitter this week than what he was because he was on a real cold stretch there for a while. Yeah, Prado has looked a little bit more competent at the plate, and the, the whole purpose of this last three weeks is just get yourself acclimated to Major League Baseball. Start learning more about pitchers. Start learning about how they're going to attack you here at this level because you got to bring those strikeout numbers down at least a little bit. It's a I saw Patrick Brennan, who's a friend of ours, you know, uh, Twitter Royals Twitterverse. Now he actually works for the Phillies doing baseball stats stuff. He's the founder of Royals Farm Report. Um, he, he put out, like, a, an, an idea that, like, okay, it's a pretty narrow – path if you're going to strike out 35 percent of the time 
but Nick Prado might be it. You know, he might be the type of guy who could make that narrow path, but you'd just rather him like bring him down or bring it down a little bit. Bring it down 10%. Bring it it down to the high 20s and you'll be fine. You know, your power will play. Your great defense at first will play. You'll take enough walks and that'll be good, right? So let's hopefully he can bring those strikeouts down a little bit, keep hitting for all that power. I'm going to talk about a guy who looked real, real bad there for a while. Like, you know, and and we were all lamenting, oh, why didn't they trade him? And I'm still like a big fan of the notion that they should have traded him at the deadline. And that's Michael A. Taylor. But he did have a hot week this week. So he went 10 for 25, two doubles, one triple, two home runs, one walk, five strikeouts, and one stolen base. He had this big week while hitting in the leadoff spot a lot. He hit a bunch in the leadoff this week, and it sort of spurred him, it looked like. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe it's just like random and it's coincidence that he finally turned it back on because he was pretty cold there ever since the trade deadline ended. Um, maybe this ups his trade value a little bit and he can get traded in the offseason. I don't know. I think he's a valuable player and he's on a cheap contract. Surely some team would be interested in taking him for something. You know, I think if you can get anything for Carlos Santana last or the during this last trade deadline, that tells you you can at least get something for Michael A. Taylor for teams that are like, man, we don't have a center fielder, good defender. Looks like he's more competent at the plate now. We only he only on a one year deal and it's a real cheap one. Maybe they can move him this offseason because it's a real crowded outfield for them right now. If they believe in Kyle Isbell, if they believe in Nate Eaton, if they want to play MJ Melendez out there, if Olivares is back, the outfield gets really, really crowded real quick. Drew so, Waters. And Drew Waters. Forgot about him, too. Uh, you got to go <laughs> ahead and uh, you got to move Michael A. Taylor if you're going to try any of those young guys in the outfield to start next year. So we'll see. But good for him. Hot week. Love to see it from any of the Royals. So great job, Michael A. Taylor. Speaking of Drew Waters, you want to talk about him because he's, he's doing that thing where he was pretty good to start, and now he's whoop, dipped back down again. Yeah, it wasn't a great week for Waters. He was he didn't get as many opportunities as some of the other guys, but two for 15 in, in the chances he did get, one double, one walk, and seven strikeouts. So, you know, you're going to have inconsistency. You and I were both people who thought they would leave him down for this entire season in AAA. He was having success there. And then they brought him up and he had some success. So there's, it's going to be rough. I mean, he's not going to come up and hit right away. He did come up and hit right away, but the, you, you're not going to sustain that. They're going to make adjustments to you. They're going to find what you're absolutely worst at and pound that. <laughs> and so he's got to make an adjustment. And uh, hopefully he will moving forward. Um, I, you know, like I said, you and I thought he should still be down there. But if the Royals think he's ready to go and are hoping he's a part of next. And, and really what he does in the end of this year may impact whether Taylor gets traded or not, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if, the, if he's the only guy they think is a true center fielder. Well, I then... think, that, I think they know Isbell is a true center fielder at this point, but again, you don't have a ton of confidence in his bat right now either. So, you know, but I don't think with Taylor, what's it matter? I mean, he's got one year left and it's not like they're going to compete next year. So what, what are you, what are you keeping him around for? Uh, for waters? The interesting thing to me is like, I watched an about of his today where I was like, he's showing you that he's an anxious hitter trying to just hit his way to the hall of fame. Like right now, you know, like, and so he gets, he gets a couple pitches today that are clearly not strikes and he's hacking just up there, hacking, trying to, you know, keep his place in major league baseball and all this stuff. And it's like, just relax, buddy. Your big thing is to just relax and be patient and let the strikes, you know, come to you and swing at pitches you can destroy and don't swing at pitches. You can't, it's a pretty basic thing, but if the more anxious you are to prove yourself, the more likely you are to swing out of your shoes at bad pitches. And we saw some of that today in the game, and hopefully he can he can just get back to peace of mind and get back to his hitting approach as he had when he first came up and needs to have throughout his time in the major leagues. 
I'm talking about a guy who the future is not nearly as bright for. And that's a guy <laughs> named Hunter Dozier. Uh, not to pick on Hunter Dozier. I got into a conversation today with somebody about like, I critiqued him because he had an at-bat today where there were two on and nobody out. And the pitcher starts him 2-0. So he's up 2-0 with two on and nobody out. And he gets a pitch that's about a foot above the strike zone, swings at it, pops it up. It's like an infield fly ball. And I'm like ready to throw a remote through a television because this is Hunter Dozier. We're talking about a 31-year-old who gets paid only to hit who cannot hit. He didn't hit this week. He went three for 23 with one double, zero walks, and eight strikeouts. That's Hunter Dozier right there for you. And it's it's there's a lot of talk online right now about like what do we do with this? And the truth is there's nothing to do with this. It's it's over now. Like you gotta keep him on the team because no team will take him. You're paying him all this money. You might as well try him as a bench player, but that's all you're he's the Ryan O'Hearn of your team at this point. Yes, Mike? Then that that's what I think is his thing now. Like move O'Hearn off the roster and put Hunter Dozier in that O'Hearn spot, in that O'Hearn role. Because O'Hearn's like, oh, it's a, he's the left-handed bat. We don't need any left-hand bats now. We've got all the left-handed bats we're going to need for a long time. We will need a right-handed bat at some point. So put Dozier in that spot, see O'Hearn, and at least he provides – he doesn't provide any real defensive value, but he does provide position versatility. So it's like, okay, we need, we want a right-handed bat. We want to get a guy in there and get a guy a day of rest. We can then use his position versatility, though bad at defense, to – to do that. He has more value than a Ryan O'Hearn. So if you are putting him in that Ryan O'Hearn role, you're getting a better player. I mean, he's not a good player, but he's a better player than what you have. Right. And he, honestly, he's a better hitter than Ryan O'Hearn. And so, you know, even though he's struggling right now, a better career track record hitting, I think, than Ryan O'Hearn. The thing is, you're paying that too much money for that right now. That's clear, right? Oh yeah, like, but but you can't undo that. You can't, can't go back. You can't. No, nope. there's. But you're not getting that money back. It's gone. <laughs> two things. One, hopefully the Royals learn from their mistake there. Like, just because a guy has one successful season and is like you know a great dude that you love, whatever, doesn't mean you give him a big payday, right? Like, and so the other thing I wonder is if 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 Hunter Dozier's on the team, what are the odds Mike Matheny doesn't just play him all the time? Mike Matheny loves this guy. Like they are in love, those two. <laughs> and so I don't know what the deal is there, but I don't know why he thinks that Hearn deserves to be a consistent player on this team because he obviously doesn't. And yet he keeps getting all this playing you mean, time. You mean Dozier? Did I say O'Hearn? Sorry. They're yeah. hard for me to distinguish between those two at this point. <laughs> and so if I, if I mix one up for the other, forgive me, you know? Um, and so, yeah. Rough week for Dozier, rough week for fans watching him, rough year for fans watching him, but that's how the crookie crumbles with the Kansas City Royals. Uh, I'm going to bring uh, a theme to this week that is an interesting one. It, it jives with Mike's player that he wanted to talk about, and that is uh, young. this week reminds me that young hitters bounce back. You know, um, We're seeing the roller coaster of young hitters right now, but you're also seeing a couple guys back on that upswing. So Prado had a, had a good week this week. Mike Massey had a good week this week. They're all seeming to like take their lumps and get that bounce back. And it's great to see sometimes, you know, they come out, they, they destroy Detroit a couple times for runs and it's really fun to watch. You know, they're scoring a bunch of runs or whatever, and they're having big games. And that's what you're going to see. You know, the, the young hitters are going to be like this until they learn to kind of be like this, you know? And so we've seen it from Bobby throughout the year. We saw it from, from uh, Vinny Pascantino a little bit when he first got here and then sort of up and down and up and down. And then he was up, you know, for a while. And now we're seeing it from Massey and Prado. And so these are the lumps that you take. 
hopefully they'll they'll do it for the next couple of weeks. They'll keep finding their footing. They'll keep um, go ahead and um, develop some momentum to head into next year because this is the lineup you're going to see for the Kansas City Royals for the next four or five years. I would like to say you, you just you just stole my whole thing with the roller coaster thing. All right. What young leader bounce back roller coaster? That's a natural analogy. To my, go to. my 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 theme says roller coaster ride, man. You steal <laughs> you steal stuff from me all the time. Jeez. Okay, so my theme was roller coaster ride, and I especially mean on the offensive side of the ball. We we had some games. We had a game this week. We scored, I think, nine. We had a game. What what did we score? Fifteen. Uh, what did we score yesterday? It fifteen. Was, it was scored a lot. Fi- scored fifteen. 15. Uh, and then we had a game we scored one and we today we scored yeah. three like offensively it's really really a roller coaster with these young guys and it makes it fun though like it's fun to watch because any game i mean we scored 15 last sunday against the padres any game we can we can do that we can score 15 we had we had like yesterday saturday we had four rookies hit home runs you know, and Bobby hit a three-run home run. Prado had a home. Did Prado have two home runs? I can't even remember. No, he just uh, had one. I know. I, Isbell I know had, had a grand the, slam. The field. Oh, yeah, Isbell, yeah, I forgot about that. And so, like, it's it's wild. Like, I, I I love the roller coaster sometimes, but you know how you feel at the bottom of the hill when you're like, all, oh my gosh, ugh, it's pushing down on me or my stomach. Uh, that's not fun. But you know, at the top, it's pretty fun. It's really, really, really important to us that you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show, and it lets us know that we're doing something right, and you want us to produce more content. Plus, Mike gets all of his self-esteem from our subscriber numbers, so help him feel better about himself and smash that subscribe button. Go write a review. He loves to read him. He reads them to himself at night. It's like his words of affirmation that people love him. And so it's free. It's free to review. It's free to subscribe. It takes like half a second, but it does us a world of good. So please do that right now. Just pause it and go subscribe and write us a review. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. We post a ton of additional analysis uh, I was sick this last week, so I didn't get a ton of Twitter analysis in, but I'm getting back to it this week. Uh, we also like to interact with all of our followers, like we did with Michael at the beginning of the show today. So, yeah, please interact with us, follow us on the socials, subscribe, rate, and review. The 2022 season is nearly over. The Royals have 27 games left, and those 27 games will serve as a seasoning for the young players to get them ready for 2023. So I'd like to start reflecting a little on 2022 right now. Try to understand what we can take away from it and use it to better understand the team moving forward. Mike, I want you to name one thing you think the Royals can build on from 2022. Brady Singer is the one thing I think that they can build on. I think they have to make decisions this offseason based on the idea that Brady Singer is your anchor in the rotation and that you need to be building some other pieces around him. Daniel Lynch still has potential, a lot of it. You know, I think John Heasley is a guy that you can also use for for the long term. But after that, but they're not they're not nearly as advanced as where Singer is right now. I think Singer has certainly shown himself. Even his last start, which wasn't great, he did enough to keep you in a game. He actually looked great all the way till the very last inning that he was in there and kind of had a little bit of a a uh, not a meltdown necessarily like he used to have. Those were really bad, but he you know kind of gave up a few there. And he gave up a three-run home run or something with two outs, if I'm remembering right. But um, 
yeah, I think Brady Singer is the guy that you can really build from here in 2022. The sad thing is, and I know that the lineup, the lineup has been inconsistent a little bit with these young guys, which it should be, but you're hoping that a lot of those guys take a step forward next year. There's not as much to hope on in the rotation. I really think Singer is about the only one. And so that is what you have to tie yourself to. Brady Singer building on that in the rotation, I think, is going to be the most important thing. You see, we say there's not much to build on the rotation, but we actually don't know because the pitching development and the pitching coaching on this team is so bad. We really don't know what there's no there's nothing in us as Royals fans that expects pitchers to get better because it just doesn't happen for them. And so if they change that pitching coach, if they change a pitching regime, if they get new people in there to help pitchers develop. Who knows? Maybe maybe somebody does take a step forward that we never even expected. And that's kind of what I want to bring up. Like, I think one of the things that they can build on from 2022 is this back-end pitching quantity that they have. They have Castillo. They have Heasley. They have Bubich. I don't know if you would count Lynch as a back-ender right now because it seems like he has a higher ceiling than that. But who knows, right? Like, they have guys at the back-end who you say, like, okay, if they could be this, that, or the other, they'd be solid. Well, let me ask you this. If Max Castillo could be like he was today, but add an additional pitch because right now he's just like fastball, curveball, slider, or fastball, slider, changeup. Let's say he adds another pitch, a curveball or something. Could he not take an even another step forward? Could Bubich, if he adds a slider, take another step forward? Could, you know, or take a step forward with command? Could he take a step forward? Like these are things that could happen if they could find somebody to do them. The problem is right now they don't have that person. But what's interesting to me and, and important is that they have the quantity on the back end to, at the very least, find some reliable pieces to throw in the rotation. Could be Heasley, could be Castillo, I don't know. But I am at least encouraged a little bit that they seemingly have a number of candidates who at different times have looked competent at the major league level. In my eyes, those guys, and I, and I like those guys. I like Castillo. You know I'm a big Heasley fan. Not so much of a Bubich fan. But I think you want used to be. those guys battling. I used to be until I saw a guy who did the, made the same mistakes for two years in a row. Like, And I, don't get me wrong, it's not necessarily all his fault. He doesn't have a pitching coach that can really do anything. But I'm, I, I think that Castillo and Heasley can both be guys in rotations for the long term but I want them battling for my four and five spots. I don't, they're not, I don't think they, either one of them have a ceiling to be the next guy behind singer. Oh, that's why yeah. you and I have both been advocating for, you need to go out and get somebody in free agency, at least one somebody. I think now, I think if you're filling out a rotation in four and five with a Castillo and a Heasley, I think you're in a pretty good place because I think yeah. John Heasley is the kind of guy you love to have as a five starter. I really think he is like, and I don't know that he, I don't know that he takes any sort of meaningful steps forward, but I think even as he is right now, he's the kind of guy that you love having as a five starter. And, you know, he's going to get you five, possibly six innings every time. And he's going to keep you in a game. And unfortunately those back end guys for the Royals, the last few years, you haven't been able to say that. You'd be out of the game in the first or second consistent, not consistently, but more consistently than what you want to be. Heasley's not that guy, you know, he's going to keep you in it. And so that's why I really, I I'm, I'm a Heasley fan for that reason. And I think Castillo can be that kind of guy as well. 
Yeah, I think that's why back-end quantity is like an interesting thing for me. I think you have to have a few guys. Well, you have to have depth anyway because you're going to start more than five guys in a year anyway, right? But one of the things that I like is that they seemingly have the guys who will fill out that four or five position. They seemingly have the guy who will fill out that one position. It's the two and the three that everybody's kind of like, eh, I don't really know. and We'll see. You know, who knows? Um, and just go get yourself a reliable veterans, man. Go pay for some. Well, well, that seems to be like the thing you want to talk about. So the next question I was going to have is or it's not really a question. Name one thing you one thing you think the Royals will have to rebuild after 2022. And I went with the starting rotation. And yeah. we've talked about this a little bit. But now that I've kind of seen Castillo a little bit and I and seen some stuff from Heasley that I like. I've been an advocate that they go out and get two of those second or third tier starting pitchers that are in free agency, they may Mm -hmm. only need one. So maybe you pull those resources and go, Hey, we're going for a guy that's a little bit, that's at the top of that second tier, not in the middle or the bottom, not two guys in the middle or the bottom. We're going to go for a guy that's at the top of that second tier and try and have a two headed monster at the front with singer and whoever that guy is. And then Bubich right after that, maybe one step forward and he's a little more consistent, not Bubich, sorry, Lynch, Lynch. No, Bubich will not be there. I don't think as a matter of fact, I think his best spot moving forward might be in the pen, but then you have, you know, kind of a battle for the last two spots of Castillo, Heasley, Bubich, and anybody else that you like moving forward. Uh, what's his name? Maybe Hoffman, maybe Bolin as they sort of start to move forward. Uh, Zerpa. I like Zerpa a lot. Uh, uh, Drew Parrish. You know, it could be several different guys. Obviously, like you said, you're going to need seven, eight guys that are going to make a start in a, in any given year for you. So, yeah, I, I like that idea now because I do think Castillo is a guy that can be a consistent piece in the back end. And I do think Heasley can be as well. Yeah, I'm going to talk about a thing that they need to rebuild that we talk about a little bit, but it feels like more urgent all the time for me as I see their bullpen consistently struggle. And that's, you know, the bullpen. And so... <laughs> I, I, bullpens are important. They're the last thing you need when you're going to compete, but boy, it's going to suck next year. If they, if they roll out a decent lineup, they've drastically improved the rotation and yet they're just losing games in the seventh, eighth and ninth because they're rolling out a crap bullpen all the time. I it will, it'll kill me to watch that just because I'll be like, oh, this is miserable. Like I want to win games, you know? And so I think they need to rebuild the bullpen to some degree. You know, obviously they have, um, Barlow to work with Coleman has looked incredible for the last like two months, really. I mean, I looked at his numbers today. He's well under three as an ERA. He's just become really, really solid bullpen piece. And they have a few others. I think, you know, you hate on Quas, but his numbers look really good too. Um, <laughs> he, by the way, threw like three and a two thirds scoreless this week and had like seven strikeouts, but whatever. Um, and then, you know, so they have a few pieces that are probably going to be there, but man, they need, they need to, at the bare minimum, go out and like get some guys that they can see in spring training and see if they're like, maybe can rec- reclamation projects or rebuild or something because this bullpen, as it is currently constructed is not good. And it's as bad as they've had since when, when's the last time they had a bullpen this bad that you could remember? Like, before, Ooh, before like gosh, HGH in those question. days, like that's how bad this bullpen is. Yeah. It's as bad as it was pre HGH and or HDH. And so even, 
even even pre that they had Soria at the back end. Now there were some years that he was all they had. Well, yeah, there was also um, some years I think in between when Soria left, and you know maybe a year or two in between. Maybe when Soria the, maybe left then and Holland and those guys. The got Jimmy Gob the Jimmy Gobble years. It's was bad. That? <laughs> well, that's not quite that bad because they do have some talent in this bullpen. You know, like yeah, but they got they got to do a revamp. They got they got to get some new blood in that bullpen because it's bad right now. And if they don't, then they're going to lose a lot of games that they really should win next year. Another thing that I'd like to think about to kind of stay on a positive note to some degree, I'd like you to name one thing you think the Royals got right in 2022. What's the one thing that they did right or did well this year? Uh, Alex Zumwalt is is the big thing that uh, I think that they got right. And uh, along with that, the, the things, the changes that they made in the hitting development system uh, it mid-year, you know, they, they got rid of Terry Bradshaw and they brought in Zumwalt. Who's the other guy they brought in at the major league level? I'm blanking. They had Keone Duran already there. Oh, uh, Uh, Mike Tozar. Mike Tozar. Yeah, Tozar. Thank you. Tozar and Zumwalt come in. And I think that was the right move. And and that's no no disrespect to Terry Bradshaw. He may be a good dude. I have no clue. Um, But it's just odd to me. You know, they're willing to make that move. Obviously, the Cal Eldred move, they are not willing to make in the middle of the year. A lot of people speculate because they had Tozar. They had Zumwalt that they could move right in. They don't think they have that for Eldred, whatever, whatever, but that was a great move. And we've seen dividends from that. I mean, even Rex Hudler, ladies and gentlemen, has begun to notice that the Royals take walks now and that they have good approaches at the plate and that they, and this is a lot of credit to Drew Saylor and what he does in the minors as well. As those guys started getting up here, we started taking walks. We started having good plate appearances. We started hitting balls hard. That is because of the work that Saylor has done, but also, uh, Zumwalt has had a big impact on that stuff as well. So, and Mike Tozar, I don't want to, I don't want to discount him either. So I think that is a good move that they made and should get credit for. Yeah. A thing I think I'm really excited about the, this year was the draft, right? I thought that they pretty much nailed the draft this year. I think taking that good hitting early and you already seen Gavin Cross and uh, Wallace. Why am I forgetting his first name? Caden, Caden, Wallace. Caden Wallace. Caden Wallace have some success at the minor league levels this year down in low A. And then taking like pitching later, pitching that has some upside later, I think was a, a good a good sort of strategy for them to take. I think um, that they really did a successful thing. I think, you know, and so with the draft, they're maybe sort of setting the template for how they're going to approach the draft moving forward, which is like spend your most important draft capital on hitters. Get pitchers later because they're much more variable. They're much more, they have much more variance to them. And you're more likely to find that talent later in the draft than you are to draft a guy number one overall or in the first round and develop them. The odds of like a guy, the odds of a hitter in the first round making it and in a 10th round hitter making it are way different. The odds of a first round pitcher and a first round and 10th round pitcher making it are a lot closer, if that makes sense. Because the odds of a first round pitcher making it aren't that good either, right? And so, like, if there if it's not good for odds for any pitcher to make it, you might as well take them later, right? You know, because you know you're not talking about a whole bunch of difference in arm talent. And so, yeah, I thought they got to get some guys who have arm talent, some guys who have the potential to be uh, developed. The question is now, will their system develop them? But they can't really handle that on the on the drafting, scouting, and drafting end. That's that's on the player development end. So hopefully. Uh, they find a way to start developing some pitching, but I did do really think they had a successful draft this year. 
now we have to get a little more negative because sometimes we can't, we can't, we're not sunshine pumpers here at Royals Weekly in case you, in case you didn't know. Um, Mike, I wanted you to name one misstep you think the Royals took in 2022. I'm over here shooting rainbows at my butt just to, yeah. <laughs> just to keep it, just to keep a smile on my face. You yeah, know, I'm um, not going to do it. One, one, just one misstep. Just, just one, one misstep. Okay. We got to limit us to one. one. Okay. We don't have all, all right, day. Uh, here. Okay. So my misstep is going to be hanging on too long. To Whit Merrifield, Carlos Santana, Michael A. Taylor, Barlow, Stamont, some of these pieces that it has become quite apparent cost the Royals value. Um, I, and on top of that, with the draft thing, I was going to mention like they traded that 35th pick and got Drew Waters and Hoffman and that other mm-hmm. dude, Alexander. And I think that should go into the draft as well. Like that was a great yeah, job. That was, that was a great on the job. On the reverse of that, the opposite of that is waiting until now to trade with Merrifield and Carlos Santana and not trading Michael A. Taylor, Scott Barlow or Stalmont. Like you're, you lost a lot of value there guys. And you can say whatever you want to say about it. Oh, we, we thought we were going to compete. We thought these guys could help us. It is quite apparent. Once those young guys came in to replace them, those young guys were the way to go at the beginning of the year. And you mm-hmm. cannot tell me any different. And so, yeah, it, that is the for me probably the biggest misstep that they made here. Well, that and not forcing Singer to throw that change up earlier. But you can only choose one. You can't. You can't. Yeah, you you can't choose, choose one. one. <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to backdoor choose six or seven. I don't like it. Speaking of uh, not not forcing. Speaking of not forcing Singer to throw the change up, uh, I'm going to go with keeping Cal Eldred as pitching coach <laughs> as the biggest misstep of 2022 because <laughs> he's a guy who couldn't force Singer to throw the change up. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's not a good sign. Um, and I'd say probably keeping Mike Matanity as manager is a bad, a bad misstep too. I think we'll see if they're both, I think they're both going to be employed by the Royals in 2023. I have no hope that, uh, that, you know, I, I have some hope, but you know, it's always good to bet on the status quo with the Royals because they're a status quo team. Yeah. They are um, not transactional, and that includes with the you. Will, you will become a very rich person just continually betting on the status quo with the Royals. Um, but keeping Cal Aldred—that's a very obvious one. And when I say that, I mean keeping him last year at the end of last year. He should have been gone to start 2022, and the fact that he wasn't tanked this whole season. Like that, you saw no progress from Singer, Lynch, Bubich, Kowar, Keller. All for the first half of the season. Hernandez, you saw no progress from any of these guys to start the year. And as a result, they got 20 games under 500 after May. And so the season's over at that point. You know, if somebody asked me, hey, why why were the Royals, what cost them the season this year? Cal Eldred. Like, that's my answer. And so the fact that their pitchers just continually don't take step forward, that's on him. That's his job, you know? And so... That's to be their biggest misstep in 2022. They waited yet another year, and it's another lost year of Brady Singer's service time, of Daniel Lynch's service time, of Chris Bubich's service time, out the window, just waiting on Cal Eldred to become a better pitching coach. And I think it's something that bears repeating, and I know we've mentioned it on the podcast several times, but another thing you have to think about with Eldred is their big focus was throwing strikes, and they're still one of the worst teams in baseball at throwing strikes. Okay. Like that was the big thing, guys. We've got to throw more strikes. We've got to do this. First pitch strikes. We can't walk as many guys. You come in and you walk, especially in the first half. You were the worst team in baseball <laughs> in the first half of this year at throwing strikes. I mean, that's everything you need to know. Like, what what are your goals for this year? If I if I said, hey, next year, write down a list of your goals, and then when you wrote them down, it's like one, two, three, and I took number one, and I said, nope, that's not going to happen. <laughs> 
You're not going to be able to do that. All right. That's not going to, that doesn't work. Okay. It doesn't work outside of apparently major league the pitching organization coach, okay, is but. the only one where you can, def, you can definitively set goals, <laughs> not accomplish those goals in any way. In fact, accomplish the exact opposite of those goals. And yet you get to keep your job. Like what, <laughs> exactly. what business does that? <laughs> hey, uh, I went through KFC and my goal was to get a bucket of chicken and they handed me a bucket of shit instead. Uh, I guess I guess give them all the money. Let, let's let, keep up the good work. <laughs> let's call Bon Appetit magazine and, and get them the kids right. KFC some notice. You know, like we're, we're going to make the colonel a general after that one. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah. He's, give that guy a promotion. The Royals are back home for six games this week against the best and worst of the AL Central. They'll start with three games against the division leading Cleveland Guardians before an off day and then a three gamer against Detroit again. Mike, tell us about a surprisingly good Guardians team that I don't think a ton of people were picking to win this division who is current who are currently winning this division. Well, I think if you asked us at the beginning of the year, what would they have to do to compete for the division? You would say, well, Jose Ramirez has to be fantastic and he needs to carry that offense. And he has. And so that's like, well, he has, and they've, they've they've gotten gotten some some young contributors. They've gotten some guys who've come up and contributed and their pitching has bounced back in a big way. Yeah. They, I mean, they get stuff from Ahmad Rosario, Quan, um, who else? That's all I'm really thinking of. You've pretty much, pretty much (laughs) named it. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much. That's the guys. Um, and who would have thought like, who would have thought their offense would be that good? And they would, would have booted Fran Mill Reyes at this point. Like yeah. The, yeah. their offense is going to be good and not because of Fran Mill Reyes in any possible way. <laughs> like he's gone yeah. uh, wild, mm-hmm. but no, they're 68 and 63. They're first in the AL central right now. Uh, it looks like on Monday, it'll be Chris Bubich though. There isn't a definitive yet on that against Tristan McKenzie. McKenzie has been listed as the, the uh, starter for the guardians. 25-year-old right-handed string bean, real skinny dude, skinny tall guy, 3.18 ERA. He has an under one whip, though. He's having a phenomenal year for them. He doesn't throw super, super hard, 92 average for his fastball, but his fastball has a whole lot of vertical movement, and that gives him makes it very successful, so he does throw it quite a bit. And he does have a really good curveball slider combination to go along with it. Um, so that'll be a tough matchup there for sure. And then we don't know who's going to be the Royals pitcher for that next game against Shane Bieber. We've seen a lot of Bieber. Man, he's only 27. Yeah, I know. It seems like he's been around longer, right? Wow. Yeah, it does. Uh, University of California, Santa Barbara. Back to his old ways, 306 ERA, but he's doing it in a different way. 1.08 whip. Not throwing nearly as hard as he did when he was a Cy Young candidate. Did he win the Cy Young? I think he won it. Did he win it? Okay. I I think it was that shortened Um, season, the 2020 Was it? I could be wrong. Could have been last year. I don't even know. Yeah. He's not striking out near as many guys, but the thing that's really keeping him into it, he's gone to kind of a kind of the guy I'm kind of comparing him to is uh, the dude for the that's been around forever for the Cardinals. Uh, blanking on his name, Wainwright. Wainwright, yeah, because Wainwright has that big, good curveball, and and Bieber's got some really good breaking stuff as well. So he's leaning more heavy on the breaking stuff uh, since his fastball doesn't go quite as hard. No probables for the third game yet. Might be Daniel Lynch for us. We're not really sure. Um, but you know, the Royals are going to kind of play, continue to play, uh, you know, guess who on the starting pitching for yeah. a little while. So, yeah, if, if everything stays on track, I think it'll be fifth day for Lynch, but we'll see who knows at this point, you know, maybe it's another Megden start. You never know. Uh, uh, did he have to get, I thought he got like DFA'd and had to clear waivers, which he did. 
Oh, okay. Isn't that what happened after the maybe, last maybe, start? I, I'm and maybe, sure he did. And maybe he can't come back up. There's so many different option rules at this point. He may not be able to come back yeah. up at that point. Um, and so that's right. I did forget he got sent back down. Um, so he he probably can't come back. Um, but after that uh, three game set with Cleveland, they'll get a day off, and then Detroit. You can go out and see any of these games. They're all at the K this this week. And so uh, Detroit is 51 and 53. They're last in the AL Central, just behind the 51 and what did I say? 51, 51 and 83. What did I say? No, 51 and 53. No, no, no. <laughs> they, they wish they, they were. were they wish they were 51 and 53. They wish it was three months ago, and they they were they could they could be that. No, uh, they're 51 and 83, right behind the fighting Kansas City Royals. Go Royals! Fourth place, baby. That's right. Um. I don't have anything written on the rundown about the Detroit Tigers because we literally just played them. And so you know all about them. They have, they're a really bad lineup with some young hitters that should be pretty good, like Spencer Torkelson, but they're not really. Riley Green's pretty promising outfielder for them, athletic guy, so, shown some promise with the bat. Their pitching has been hurt, or their best pitchers are hurt right now. They're, um, so they're just, uh, they're just limping their way toward the end of the year. They're not, they're not trying to compete anymore. They're just trying to get through the rest of this season. So that's a big endorsement to go out to the K go out there and watch a team like that play. We got a shot to win them though. That's good. Right. We'll end this week's episode. Like we end every episode with our just a bit outside segment where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Why? I don't know. Does anybody care about, about this segment? I think there's something cool in it this week, at least. Mike, tell us something that's interesting to you outside the world of baseball. I knew you were going to talk about this, and it's awesome, and you should talk about it. Uh, so, yeah, you and I spoke with a good friend of mine on Friday, um, and I wanted to bring up something that he is doing because it's very exciting, and it is Royals tangent e you know it's tangential to the royals so uh he he began he he noticed his name's jason rogers by the way he's uh a guy a guy that coached with me at least i'm at north high school but he noticed for his daughter that there was no softball specific training in the area of blue springs and so he decided to start doing it he's been in training for athletic training for a long part of his life it's not his main job his main job is social work he works with children um but he decided to start doing this and it started growing and growing and growing. And this past week they announced that his uh, performance gem Destin performance in blue Springs uh, was going to start partnering with the urban youth Academy. And so he'll be training all the athletes that play for urban youth Academy teams and that they're going to start up softball teams. And so a lot of the athletes that he works with are going to start uh, playing for those urban youth Academy teams, which we're having some trouble finding some athletes for softball. So um, great job by him. Jason Rogers, one of the best coaches I've ever met and ever worked with. And so it's a big step up for him. If you have a softball player or a baseball player, he trains any kind of athletes and you're in that Eastern Jackson County area, uh, look up Destin performance because they are taking big steps forward um, with that, with that gym and with that, those kids, he's gotten now several kids, uh, college opportunities to play uh, softball and baseball. So um, you will not meet a person who is more passionate about creating positive relationships with kids and getting them to have positive relationships with working out. So uh, good job by Jason Rogers, a, a positive influence in the community. Real positive dude. Just met him for the first time on Friday night. I already feel like he's a, just a great, tremendous human being. And so I love it when coaches are good people too, and sort of are very positive about the athletes that they coach. That's just something that's big for me. And so I love the idea that he's a, you know, a guy out there, uh, being positive about, you know, working out and, and playing sports because it should be a positive experience. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't dread going to practice. You shouldn't dread working out. You shouldn't dread playing the sport that you're supposedly supposed to love. Um, I'm going to talk about the place where I met him. 
because it was an interesting place that I've been to now twice in my life. <laughs> and uh, wow, it's it's something else. Um, now, myself and Mike and the, the coaching staff of Lee Summit North High School uh, call this, the football team, call this place the Smoke Shop. That is not its name, though. Its name is the Water's Edge. Is that correct, Mike? Yes. Or just Water's Edge? Water's yes. Edge. It is a yeah. bar in, where is it located exactly? I think technically it's in Blue Springs. I can't it can exactly confirm that. Uh, but technically, I can't I tell you the Blue exact Springs. location. I was I was blindfolded. I was black bagged to go to this place. <laughs> uh, it's called. Uh, but anyway, we call it the smoke shop because it is like the only bar that I can think of in the KC metro area that still allows smoking inside. So you can smoke inside this place. I walk in and of course they got karaoke going on a Friday night. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't you? And yeah. it's like the most majestic scene you've ever seen in your life. There's like your classic karaoke karaoke songs like Don't Take the Girl was was sung at one point. Tim McGraw. And I, then believe, someone, I believe that's a Tim McGraw classic. Yeah. Someone <laughs> sang, uh, uh, what's that lit song? Oh, I my can't own, think of My own worst it. enemy. My own worst enemy. And then, you know, it was just a lot of very, it was a real smorgasbord. Of, there was some girl country up there being sang. There was Jeremy from Pearl Jam. It was just a real, you never knew what was coming up next from this karaoke thing. The people there were like, they like a good time. We'll just put it that way. The people that there was a dude there who was so smashed. I was pretty sure he was either going to get punched out of the bar or I don't know, named president and king of the bar. I don't know exactly. He, he was wasted. Uh, but the, the, the staff there is extremely friendly and nice. They have good food. I actually really like the burger so, that yeah. I got there that night. Let uh, me, let me explain why we go there first. Uh, so high school football coaches, um, you don't get an opportunity to eat dinner. So like you eat at like yeah. three o'clock <laughs> and then you're doing all this stuff for the game. And then the game gets over at nine 30, 10 o'clock and you, you want to eat. And so like, mm-hmm. there's no place that keeps a, 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 that keeps their kitchen open that late. And so we found this place as a place that we could eat after games. When we win, go, uh, go eat, be together, hang out as a coaching staff. And uh, it, it, they keep their grill open till like midnight or one, one a.m. So one a.m. I asked, and I and asked to stay them till one. Their wings are fantastic. Their tater tots are really good. And so we just yeah. decided this is I think this is the great spot. Fries man. too. And I liked the burger. If you're into like a bar room burger, this place has the bar. It's like it is perfectly a bar room burger. And so I liked <laughs> it a lot. Um, but yeah, just if you give it a chance, the Water's Edge is what it's called. I'm sure it's an experience other nights of the week. Uh, give it a shot. Lots of fun if you're into some some pretty some pretty you know some pretty genuine family fun. <laughs> also, if you're into genuine family fun, keep listening to Royals Weekly. We're all about family fun. Right? <laughs> That's right. We're related. That's yeah, family. Right? We are literally a family. We're yeah. a pretty you know touched family, but that's okay. Um, keep listening. Keep subscribing, rating, reviewing, especially that reviewing. I love hearing from you. Uh, keep doing that. Keep watching the Royals. Come back and listen to us next week. And until then, be good to each other. And go Royals. <laughs> <laughs>